Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. I pray this week's sermon will guide you into a deeper understanding of the greatest news in the entire world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We value the local church at Central Baptist, so while we are thrilled that you are streaming this sermon, we want to make sure that this never replaces your commitment to the local body of believers. If you are in the Maysville area, I am personally inviting you to be a guest at one of our weekly services. Come and join us. I promise you will love it. We are a church committed to loving God, loving each other, and loving our world. So if God is using this to impact your life, please consider partnering with us in spreading the message of Jesus to everyone on the earth. I hope this message helps fix your eyes on Jesus and drives you deeper into the gospel. Well, I have a confession to make to you this morning. Um... Every now and then, I, and I'm sitting, usually it's in the evening, I'm sitting on the, on the couch, sometimes the TV is on, I will take out my phone, and I know nobody else ever does this, but, but I hop on Facebook, and, um, and I begin scrolling, mainly just to see what everybody's been, you know, been doing over the day, but inevitably, always somebody posts one of those interesting articles that, that you find on, on the internet, and obviously it's true. And, and so I, you know, I click on it, and I, I read it, and then I end up down this big old rabbit hole and find out like three hours later, I'm, I'm still looking at this stuff. Well, I came across one of these the, the, the other day on things that you thought were true, but really weren't. So I thought I'd share a couple of those with you this morning. This is one that going outside in the rain will make you sick. Now, I guess science has proven that that to be, to be false. So, I, you know, and next time it's raining, just go on outside and you'll be okay. <laughs> then here, it's to feed a cold and starve a fever. You hear my grandma always say, you say that. I, you know, I guess it's, it's not, not true. So you can, I guess, starve a cold and feed a fever and you'll be okay. Here we go. Now this one, I wish I would have known this when I was a kid because my mom always said that you must wait an hour after you eat before you swim. It's been debunked. Here it is. Blue is blue. Blood is blue when within your body. I always, always heard that. Now I know in Kentucky especially, we've got the blue bloods, right? You know, I bleed, I bleed blue, but but. You know what, Polly and all of our other Louisville fans can rest assured that everyone in the state of Kentucky bleeds red. I mean, it's true. It's true. So, you know, it found the, uh, these kind of, of interesting. But, uh, you know, have you ever thought something to, to be true only to find out that maybe you didn't know quite as much as, as you thought you knew? You know, I know we got quite a few teachers here among us and. Have you ever had a student, I know, I know you have, and I'm positive they're going to come to mind here in just a moment, that, that thought that they knew everything? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they thought you, you, you begin to teach, and they say, oh, I already know that, I already know that. And then when you call on them, right, and they ask the answer, and then they, they like, oh, I don't know. You know? <laughs> but they always seem like they, they know everything, and to be honest, they're not really willing to, to learn. 
Now, I think back to um, my very first semester in seminary. I, I, I had this professor. He demanded a lot of us. Um, be honest, he's one of those kind of guys that, that talked on a different level than, than I was typically used to hearing. So it, I left each class with my, my brain hurting because I had to you know, get out the dictionary just to look up half the words that he was saying. But there was this student that sat down in the front. I was toward uh, the back to not be seen. And... Um, and, and every time that it came to question time, he always had a question for this professor. Every single time. And it wasn't just any question. It was one of those questions that basically went on forever to show how much he knew. And then he just asked the professor to, to, you know, to agree with him on that. But there was one day, and this went on, it seemed for a long time, but it was probably just a couple of weeks. And and the professor, after he asked, he didn't even answer the question. He just said, he said guys, I, I want to give you some, some good pastoral advice. And he said, you know, when, when you're in your 20s, a young pastor, and, and especially in your studies, he said, the best thing that you can do is just keep your mouth closed and learn. And he said, after about a decade of doing that, you're at that point going to begin to begin the process of where you're able to actually speak to the knowledge that, that you have required. And which is interesting, that student just kind of went over his head. But from that moment, I said, there is no way I'm ever asking a question in this class. But if we're honest with ourselves, we, we often think that we know more than we, we really do. And, and not always do we, we take correction the best you know we're in the our series in the in the book of acts we've been in it for quite a while we're, we're getting toward the the end we'll be done here in, in in a few weeks but but during this this book we're in the the section of acts where paul is going through his missionary journeys and there are three journeys to be exact and this morning we are starting his third and last missionary journey and in our passage as David read to us this morning, starts with a guy named Apollos. Now, Apollos was from the city of Alexandria. Now, Alexandria is in, in Egypt, it's still there, but it is, um, at that time in world history, was this intellectual center of the entire world. And it was known for its impressive libraries. Now, Apollos was an eloquent Right, it says he was an eloquent and he was a, a competent with the scriptures. So Apollos was a, a well-educated man, probably spent many hours in this library reading up on the history of the world and, and obviously he was well known in, in the scriptures to be competent to, to teach. But not only this, he was also fervent in the scriptures, or I mean fervent in, in the spirit meaning the Holy Spirit. Apollos himself was a believer in Jesus Christ. In fact, he, he taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. But Apollos had a, a problem because what he was teaching was incomplete. Look here at, at 25, verse 25. It says he was fervent in the Spirit. He, he taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, but he only knew the baptism of John. You might think, the baptism of John. Who is the baptism of John? Well, he is referring to John the Baptist, who was the baptizer. 
Right? We go back to John 1.23. This is John saying, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Right? Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. See, John was the, the forerunner to, to Christ. And so he was baptizing people by the hundreds, maybe even the thousands, but he was not baptizing them in, in and of himself. He was baptizing them to the future Christ, the Messiah who was to come, with which John said, I wasn't even worthy to carry the sandals. So Apollos had not yet learned the Christian baptism. Because since the time of John the Baptist, Jesus came and lived and he died on the cross and he rose again. And now all believers are baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. As an example, an outward expression of the inward change that Christ has done in the life of a believer. Now, we might think, well, all right, here we got this eloquent man, well-versed in the Scriptures And yet he's going into the synagogue speaking about Christ, but he doesn't even know about the baptism of of Christ. Now, I mean, let's let's give the guy a little bit of a break because we have the entire Bible. We have all of Scripture in written word and words that we can understand. And at that time, they had not yet had the New Testament written. So even an educated, well-spoken person still did not know everything and that's an example for us today right? even the most educated people those that have a lot of, of um, initials after their names and well-versed and love to read and full of knowledge we do not know everything right hopefully we think that but when we see Priscilla and Aquila we talked about them last week they come back onto the scene here and and, and so they're in the synagogue and they they hear Apollos come and, and just speak and to be honest they're initially they're they're quite impressed with with how he speaks well versed well respected able to to teach from the scriptures but then he gets into this baptism and they're thinking wow this isn't quite quite right now um they 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 go to Apollos and, they, and they, they pull him aside, as it says here. Look here at uh, verse 26. As he, being Apollos, was speaking boldly, Priscilla and Aquila, they, they took to him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now, in the social order of, of the world, Apollos would have been in a higher class of people. He would have been the, the bourgeoisie, all right? He was the, the well-educated, high class. And, and Priscilla and Aquila were more in the middle to, to lower class. They were just blue-collar tent makers. Now, think about how much boldness that Apollos or that Priscilla and Aquila must have had to be able to go up to this well-respected, well-known, well-versed man Apollos and, and, and pull him aside and actually to, to correct him based on his theology. And so they, they did this and, and they tell him the way of God more accurately. Now, we're saying that he wasn't preaching heresy. He was, what he was saying was just not the complete picture of what baptism is. And so we see with 
uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila and how they correct Apollos, we, we, we see a method of, of, of the proper way for us to, to correct someone. Because, you know, teaching uh, the Word of God accurately is essential. Right? I mean, it's a, it's a matter of spiritual life and, and death. What we teach matters. When we teach the Word of God, we must make sure that we are teaching it accurately. But also, how we correct someone is just as essential. We notice that they, they, they took him aside. Now, you might think because of the disparity, probably as the world saw them, you know, Apollos being, you know, probably the kind of a, 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 a more of a, uh, an elitist type of person and a Priscilla and Aquila kind of a more of a, a working class that, that, you know what, Priscilla and Aquila very well could have used this time to, to take cheap shots at, at Apollos. They could have called him out in front of everybody and said, you don't even know what you're talking about. Here, here you think you're well-read, come from Alexandria, you know everything, and you don't even know about the baptism of Jesus? Come on, dude, get, you know what? You don't even deserve to be in the same room as us. But they didn't, they didn't do that. They pulled him aside, and, and some theologians can think that they may even took him into their home to sit down with him to teach him more accurately the way of, of God. You know what we, we see, and in, in Paul writes in, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, um, verse 15, gives us an example how we should speak truth. He said, right, rather, speaking the Truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into, into Christ. See, we must speak truth into the lives of others. But we must do so in love. Sadly, oftentimes we, 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 we don't do this very well. Sometimes we're afraid to speak truth because we're afraid of the way the other person might, might see us. We don't want to be some hootie-tootie, you know, kind of uh, that we're better than anybody else, so we just stay away. But, and then on the flip side, we got others that love to speak truth, but it's like they're beating them over the head with the Bible as they do it. And neither of those are correct. The Bible tells us that we are to speak truth in love, and that is what Priscilla and Aquila did. We see that Apollos seemed to receive their correction very well. All right, he too could have went off and said, who do you think you are, you lowly tent makers, telling me that, you know what, that I'm doing things, I'm the one that, that knows everything. And he could have been very arrogant in, in his approach to that, but he does not. All right, look what we see here in, in verse 28. It says, he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures, what? That the Christ was Jesus. So he took the advice and the knowledge from Priscilla and Aquila and, and used that, learned from that, humbly submitted himself to the teaching of those that are more well-versed in the ways of Christ. And he went back and he, and he taught powerfully that with which Christ was, that Jesus is the Christ. See, Apollos was a great missionary for Jesus. All right, he had a lot of talent. 
Maybe even, you know, earthly talent. He was well-educated. He was a very smart. He was well-respected. And, and he used that for the glory of God. In fact, Apollos, this is the same Apollos that we see in the book of 1 Corinthians that, that Paul talks about, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, it says, I, being Paul, planted, who was it? Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. Now, the reason that, that Paul had to write this is because the, the different men, whether both Apollos and Paul, were, were having followings. They had their own disciples, and it was causing division within the church. So people followed the teachings of Apollos as they did with Paul. But the thing is that Apollos and Paul were on the same team. Aren't they weren't looking for division? And so Paul had to write this to the Corinthian church saying, Hey, guys, just take a break here. Look, Yes, it, yes, God is using us to teach you, but we're just the messengers, right? It's I'm doing the planning. I came first. And then Apollos comes in. He does the watering, meaning he teaches them the scriptures. But it's God that gives the growth. So the scene that we have here in, in Acts chapter 18 and, and in 19 as well is, is uh, takes place in the city of of Corinth, and that's why Paul is writing later in 1 Corinthians. But, but we notice that Paul's not on the scene yet, is he? Right? It's his disciples, Priscilla and Aquila, that were there and heard and, and were able to, to handle the situation. Paul, meanwhile, is over in the city of Ephesus. And that's where we pick it up here in chapter 19. So 19, Paul is in Ephesus, and, and he's uh, doing what he normally does. He comes in, and, and while he's on his travel, he, he sees some disciples, as, uh, as uh, Luke tells us here in Acts chapter 19. Now, when we see the term disciples in, in Scripture, we, don't, we can't automatically assume that they're disciples of Jesus. Right, because different people, we had, uh, in the book of John, right, we had disciples of John the Baptist. We have disciples of, of other maybe Jewish leaders or uh, the Greek philosophers or disciples of them. Paul even had disciples. And so we see here that, that, that uh, Paul finds some disciples. And obviously, as we're going to see, they're, they're not yet disciples of, of Jesus. And, and so um, we see here, look what, what Paul asks these disciples he, he says here in verse 2 did you receive the holy spirit when you believed now i mean this is a, a natural question to ask for we know that when we are saved immediately the holy spirit comes to dwell inside of the believer all right and i just hit the wrong thing here gotta calm my hands down all right all right did they receive the holy spirit and yes, uh, and so this is a, a normal question asked. But look what the, the disciples says, and they said, "No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit." So they're kind of in the same boat here as Apollos. These these disciples are, but but the difference is is that these disciples had not yet heard about of the Holy Spirit. For if whereas Apollos was fervent in the Holy Spirit, as Luke tells us. And so these two things will tell us that, yes, that Apollos, even though he was incomplete in his theology, was, uh, was saved by the gospel of Christ, whereas these disciples had not yet been saved. Now, these disciples here, we'll see here next, that and they were baptized. And he said, well, then, if you were not yet saved, if you not received the Holy Spirit, what were you baptized in? And they said, who? 
into John's baptism. John the Baptist is back again. He was well known during this time. And then Paul says, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling you to believe in the one who was to come to him, who that is Jesus. But then we get to to verse 6. In verse 6, we see that Paul had laid hands on them, and he had baptized them, and they the Holy Spirit came on them. Now, this is one of the verses that, that we Baptists kind of like to, to skip over. We might, you know, read it in our daily Bible reading plan and move on, but it, it kind of makes us uncomfortable. <laughs> but one of the things about preaching through books of the Bible is we, we deal with <laughs> topics that may make us a little uncomfortable. We're talking about speaking in tongues, right? And uh, that of, of prophesying. Um, now, some Christians will point to this passage showing that being filled with the Holy Spirit is a subsequent act of, of, of Christ. So you are saved, and then at some moment later, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the result of that filling is that you are able to speak in tongues and to prophesy. And there were some that will go even so far to say that if you cannot speak in tongues, and if you cannot prophesy, then you are not saved. Now, we do not... We do not believe that. Um, now, you know, I, 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 um, we, we believe contrary to that because uh, we believe that the, that the Holy Spirit indwells in the believer immediately upon salvation or some might call it regeneration. Now, um, I, I'm not here to, to doubt whether or not these disciples spoke in tongues or prophesied. In fact, I believe they do. Maybe scripture tells us that they do. But I don't think this is normal in the life of, of every believer. And that's the, the thing. We, when we study Scripture, an important uh, uh, tool for you to keep in your uh, Scripture studying toolbox is to let Scripture interpret Scripture. Because right? most of the Bible is very clear. All right, most of it's very straightforward, but there are some passages that bring about confusion. And so when we come to those passages, we need to let Scripture interpret scripture now it is true there are a few verses in the bible that indicate to that of speaking in tongues and of of prophesying but we shouldn't take just a few verses and and build an entire theology around around that what we see here in acts and in several times through acts is is the exception not the rule because we see most of the time when people came to faith in Christ, we do not hear about them speaking in tongues. We do not see them prophesying. Now, I cannot say that, that speaking in tongues and prophesying does not occur today. Um, in fact, you know, from some missionaries, we hear that God is, is using this as a means to draw people to himself in, in nations that they do not have access to the word of God or able to, to, to read the Bible in their, in their own language. But I, I do know this, that I've never spoken in tongues and that I've never prophesied in fact you know what i i wish i could you know predict the future you know I, I i did i did call i said the cats are going to win yesterday um i did say it uh but as i was watching that game i did not realize that it was going to take calipari getting kicked out of the game before the players decided you know what hey we're going to really play today <laughs> but we need to focus on what we do know and this is what we know with regards to salvation 
Um, let Scripture interpret Scripture. This is it. Is that we are saved through faith in the death and, or faith and repentance in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And upon salvation, the Holy Spirit immediately comes into the heart of a believer. And we are commanded by Christ to be baptized. Now, baptize, is, is, is a, it's not a translation from the Greek. It's what we call a transliteration. Meaning they, they just took the Greek word and made it sound English. Right? It's baptizo is the Greek word, which sounds very like, like baptize. And the, the, the literal translation is immersion. Right, so to be immersed, not as a condition of our faith, right, but as a visible expression of what Jesus has done in us. Now there are some examples of others that where the Holy Spirit came later. Others where some were able to, to speak in, in tongues and to prophesy. Some were able to do miraculous works in the name of, of, of Christ. But we know what is, is true of all believers is, is this, that we are saved. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. And that because of the inner working of Christ in our lives, we are to be baptized because we are commanded by Christ, not as a means for our salvation, for that would be a work, but as a means, as an outward expression, a testimony to the world of what Christ has already done in and through us. Now, baptism doesn't save us. But if you have not been biblically baptized, then you are living contrary to, to the Word of God because the common example is for those to be baptized. And now, same thing. I hear, well, what about the thief on the cross? And yes, I don't believe he was baptized. I don't think, you know, he believes in Christ and says, guards, take me off of this cross so that I can be baptized and then put me back up here. And, and so and I would affirm that. But again, I believe that is the exception, not the rule. So hopefully through this, it provides a little clarity in that, but the important is to let Scripture interpret Scripture. And we see that Paul didn't just spend a couple of moments with them teaching them about baptism and the Holy Spirit, but we see that he invested in with them for, for two years. You know what? Discipleship takes time. You know, it's not something that you're just going to get in a, in a, in a four-week new member class or just in, in, in coming to, to, to hear the service ever so often or, or, or just picking up your Bible whenever you feel like it or, to be honest, even reading Instagram Bible verses, although none of those are, are, are bad. But discipleship is not just a, a, a quick thing. It is a lifetime of growing. And we see here that Paul invested greatly in these, in these men. So how do we apply this, this, these verses from thousands of years ago into our lives today? Well, I think it's, it's this, that we are to boldly stand firm on the Word of God. Boldly stand firm on the Word of God. Friends, we need more people to be bold in their faith. You don't have to look very far to see that, you know, that Christianity is, is losing ground in our, our culture. And in part, it's because we sometimes have just taken the back seat. We've, we've just, you know what, in some ways given up 
you know, we hear this that, well, you know, I believe in Jesus, but that, that's a very private thing to me. And, and in part, that's true. Yes, our faith is very private, meaning that, 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 that salvation can only come through, through your personal decision to follow Christ. You know, your parents can't save you. Coming to church can't save you. Being in the South in a good church-going community doesn't save you, but only through your faith and repentance in the gospel. But our faith is to be a public faith. We need some more apologists in our, in our churches. People that are well-versed in the scriptures, that are able to defend the faith out in the public square for those that, 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 that seek to tell us that what we believe is just crazy. We need boldly to boldly stand on the word of God. You know, I was uh, talking with a, a community leader here in, in, in Maysville a couple of weeks ago, and and she was telling me she she works with with teenagers outside of the the school and and she said these these teenagers are, are the best and the and the brightest in our community. She said these are the one you know straight A's all AP classes you know what involved in all the extracurriculars. I mean these are the ones that are going to get the good scholarships in, in in college. But she said you know over the years what she has found is that it's harder and harder to get them to step up and to take action. And I asked her I said what do you what do you mean by by that and she said to be honest to get them to stand up in in front of a group and to give a presentation they they, they won't do it she said now they might i might have to you know kind of prod them and, and finally they would but she said let's just say that if somebody you know is sick that day and said okay i need somebody else to stand up and do it. she said they won't do it and i said i said you know what i wonder is that because of a fear a failure because I've spent many years working with teenagers, and that's something that I've noticed as well, and not just in teenagers, but all of us, right, is, is that we have a very strong sense of fear of failure. We're afraid we're going to mess up, and people are going to think bad about us. In some ways, I think that's partly on our own fault, is that we've set the stakes so high that we're so afraid of being failures and people thinking down upon us instead of using our failure, right? Failure, I believe, can be a good thing. And learning from that to help to grow us. The same is true in our own spiritual life. One of the main reasons why we don't get out there and share the gospel is because we're afraid of what others might think of us or we're afraid we may not know enough or we're afraid of, of how we, you know, people might react to what we say. We've got others we're afraid to step up and to teach Bible study in Sunday school because you know what, I just don't know enough. Or you know what, I can't do it near as good as, as so-and-so can do it. But that's not the faith that the Bible teaches. Look what Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. How do we overcome the fear of failure? Well, one is we must recognize that we don't know everything. That we've still got more that we have to learn. And those times where maybe we, we don't get everything just right is to, to accept correction and to learn from it. But keep on boldly speaking for Jesus. But we also must speak truth in love. We must speak truth in love. 
We need to have the spirit of Priscilla and Aquila. When we hear a, a brother or, or sister teaching uh, something that is teaching or living in a way that is different than what is taught in the Bible, we don't need to beat them up or to make them feel like a failure. Make them to feel inferior to us because they got something wrong that we got right. Because let me tell you, the Bible also teaches pride comes before the what? The fall. Just wait, your time's coming. <laughs> we must speak truth and love. And we must lovingly correct them. But lastly, we must get the gospel right. We got to get it right, guys. There are so many good-hearted Christians who, who, who muddy the gospel or, or sometimes even teach a gospel that is different than what is, is taught in the Bible. Getting the gospel is so important because it is a matter of life and death. The gospel is how we are, are saved is through belief in the work of Christ. That's why I believe in so much we spent a lot of time, especially on Sunday nights, is not just talking about the gospel, but, but, but getting our reps in, as we say, is, is how can we, we share the gospel? It's one of the reasons that I, I'm so excited about our, our new Kids Kings program on, on Wednesday nights. You know, it sets the, the church apart from all of the other organizations, and I believe Maysville has some of the best community resources of any, any town in our state that, that's similar, and I've lived in several. Uh, they do a good job of helping with, with physical needs, whether it's food or, 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 or child care or activities. I mean, I, and I love, you know, every Saturday we're up at the Boys and Girls Club. Thousands of, of people walk through there every day and just to, no cost to play. You know, people, the community has stepped up. Uh, but what sets the, the church apart from all of the, the other is that, is that we have the gospel. And so we must be good stewards of that gospel and make sure that we are faithfully sharing that. So one of the things that I told our, our leaders is that I want to make sure that every opportunity we are teaching the gospel to them, not just the stories of the Bible, and yes, that is important, we're going to do that, not just missions, how we can take the gospel to the world, although we're going to do that. But make sure that we get the gospel in their heads so that when God calls them to salvation, they're ready to repent and believe and put their faith in it. And we're going to use this. This is, is the gospel. That God rules. The Bible tells us that God created everything. Right? Including you and me. He is in charge of everything. All right, nope, this way. We sinned. We all choose to disobey God. And the Bible calls this sin. Sin separates us from God and deserves God's punishment of death. God provided. God sent Jesus, the perfect solution to our sin problem to rescue us from the punishment we deserve. It's something we as sinners could never earn on our own. Jesus alone saves us. Jesus gives. He lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, and rose again. Because Jesus gave up his life for us, we can be welcomed into God's family for eternity. This is the best gift ever. 
but we must respond. Believe in your heart that Jesus alone saves you through what he's already done on the cross. Repent, turning from ourself to, and sin to Jesus. And to tell God and others that your faith is in Jesus. Now I seek every sermon message that I preach from this pulpit is to incorporate the gospel into it. I do it for, for two reasons. One is that I assume that there are people in here that are not yet saved. And they need to hear the gospel. Maybe they've heard it time and time again, but as we know, sometimes it takes time and time again before it, it finally clicks. You know, and I pray every week that God will bring lost people into our church. And so if I'm going to ask that prayer, then I need to be faithful in making sure that, that they hear the gospel. But, but the second reason I do is because I want us to always be thinking about the gospel. Because we have to be ready to give a defense for our faith, as First Peter tells us. And so I want us to always be thinking. So what I've told our teachers and leaders is that I want us to know, be able to rattle these off. God rules, we sin. God provided, Jesus gives, and we respond. Right? I want our kids to be able to know it, even if, even if they don't really understand it. I want them to be able to say it pretty quick. Because when we know it, then we're able to present it. And, and the gospel is so important that it deserves our attention. Not just on evangelistic Sundays, but, but all the time. In our Bible study, in our Sunday school classes, we need to continuously be talking about the gospel. And my goal is I hope, I hope that you get tired of hearing it from me. Because studies show that at the point where you finally get tired of it, that means it's starting to sink in. <laughs> it's almost every week you'll hear me say that God, that Jesus came to live the life the perfect life you could not live, to die the sinner's death that you deserve. And he rose from the dead on the third day, and now he reigns at the right hand of his Father, and soon he's coming back. Our faith is in the gospel alone. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? I want to speak briefly to to those of you who have not yet trusted in Christ for your salvation. You know, I, I, I can't look into a, a person's heart. I'm definitely, definitely not God. But I, I, I'm fairly certain that in a room this size, that there are some here that have not yet trusted in Christ for your salvation. And I want you to know that a free gift is, is offered to you today. All you have to do is, is accept it. Believe in the gospel and repent of your faith that God rules, that He created everything and He is in charge, but we sin when we disobey Him and we, that sin separates us from Him. But God provided by sending His Son, Jesus, to this earth. And Jesus gives through 
his perfect life, his sinner's death, and his resurrection on the third day. But you must respond in faith. It's not good enough just to hear it. It's not good enough just to come to church every Sunday or to to come to Sunday school or come to King's Kids on Wednesdays. That's not good enough. You must respond in faith to the gospel by believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Repenting of your sin and repenting from your, your selfishness and turning to live for Christ alone. But the good news of the gospel is that that it is offered to you today that all you have to do is, is to believe and you will be saved. So if you are here this morning and you have not yet given your life to Christ, but you're ready to do so, I'm just ask, I'm going to pray a prayer, and, and if you, you truly pray it along with me in your mind and, and in your heart, it goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and in my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Keep your heads bowed, please. If you, if you said that prayer... It's that simple. You are His. If you mean it. God, I pray for all of us. For those that maybe we've been followers of Christ for a number of years. God, I pray that, that we would never lose focus of the gospel. God, I pray that we would always continuously Seek to, to study your word, to grow in our faith, to know more. But we always approach it with a sense of humility. Being open to accept correction from, from others. God, I pray that in those times where we, we need to offer correction to others, that we would do so in, in love. So that we would build one another up. Because we're all on this journey together. And God, I pray that for all of us that we would boldly seek to make your glory known in our homes, in our community, and around the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is inviting you to be a part of this story He is writing throughout the ages to come. He is offering salvation to you today, which is your invitation to the rescue God offers. You can embrace the rescue of God by simply admitting your need to God, asking Him to forgive you, trusting in Jesus alone to rescue you, and following Jesus Christ, the King of your life and faith from this day forward. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, go to God in prayer and confess your need for Him and that you choose to follow Him. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, please let us know. We want to continue to pray for you and to send you some resources to help you to grow in your faith. Well, I hope you enjoyed this sermon, and I look forward to seeing you in person at one of our weekly services. Could you do me a favor? Please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash cbcmaysville and share or comment on the things that we post because it helps others to hear about Jesus. God bless.